Hey everybody, welcome to Read This, Read That. I'm Jackie Reed. I'm Joanne Reed. Because <laughs> you are you are cracking me up, you guys. <laughs> Joanne, who is, I'm telling you, as busy as she likes to tease me about being, no one is busier than the Joanne because she does not know the power of saying no. I don't. Um, which is which a lot, which is why so many people love her, because she is, you know, she shows up and she she tries to do everything that people ask of her, which is a lot for somebody who has the job responsibility that she does. And we are in the middle of this Derek Chauvin trial. And I know that it is, you know, it's been everybody who, you know, even though it's 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 painful to watch it, it's triggering to watch it. Yeah. For you and what you do, you have to watch it. And so yeah. I know there's some key testimony on now. So we're going to get through this, you know, do a fun show. We've got Torrey as a guest, and then we will let you go off and, and do what you do so well. It is, it is really stressful. And I think everybody who's, people have been trying to avoid it. So I've been having all these text conversations with people who say, I can't watch it. I don't want to watch it. And so, you know, but I have to watch it. Look, Jackie, for this job, I have watched people being burned alive by ISIS. I have watched people getting heads cut off. Like the kind of stuff that's in my brain is, is like a horror show. But I feel like I have to because I can't report on something I haven't seen. I don't feel comfortable talking about stuff I haven't seen. So I feel like I'm obligated to watch it so y'all don't have to. You know, basically I watch the horrible shit that you don't want to see. I just watch all that horrible shit and I just put it in my brain and drown it in Prosecco and St. Germain. <laughs> but, but it allows you to react to it, right? To see it and then to do what you do to have the conversations, the necessary conversations that 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 have to be had about this stuff. I mean, but it it just it's heartbreaking because I was watching Don Lemon uh, and it was a, a recorded clip, um, but he was talking about the trial and you I know you heard about this and he broke down in tears. Yeah. Um, I can't remember who was he talking to. I always forget this man's name. Um, the Harvard professor who moves around a lot with the wild hair. Oh, George, uh, you talking about um, uh, what's his? Oh my God, no. West, Cornell West. Cornell West. Have you seen that clip? I have not. Oh, but we have Don Lemon on the show tonight, by the way. We are doing an MSNBC CNN convergence. I have Mr. Don Lemon on the show tonight. I'm so excited. It's going to be hilarious. I mean, people are just going to be like, minds blown. I love that. Is he coming on to talk about his book? To talk about his book, which is quite good. I have a copy of it right here. This is the fire. Uh, What I say to my friends about racism. So his whole book is like about race and it, it, you know, so he's coming on to talk about it, but yes. Watch that clip and ask him about it because they were talking about the trial and he broke down in tears on air. It was, um, it was, it broke my heart. I mean, I was in tears and I, I, I adore you both. I'm glad you're not on at the same time because that would same be here. for me. <laughs> it would be too much. It's like the black people would be torn. It's like, that's, we, it's, they can't put us on ever at the same time. That's the, no. that has to be in my contract that I can never be on opposite Don Lemon. <laughs> that's first of all, that's my friend. And second of all, I never want to have her compete with him because I, I love Don very much. He's a great guy. I know, I know. That's, that's crazy. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see as these networks, right? These news networks put more uh black people on the air like it's, yes. uh, it's coming eventually it's coming. they're gonna try to go well because it will be smart programming right because you heard abc is just about to hire their first uh abc news will now have a a president who is a black woman yeah. of course we at msnbc have a president miss rashida jones who is a black woman so yeah. now you're starting to see the pressure is on like cbs is losing this uh wonderful woman and she's going to abc so now cbs which has the most issues with like race issues etc they're gonna people are going to be looking at them like, are you going to hire a black woman? You know, so it's like they all 
try to compete in that way. But it's good. I mean, diversity is coming um, because the audience is more diverse. We talk about this all the time. Like, who actually watches TV at this point? Black women. Black women. Yeah, Yeah, mostly black women. I mean, black people, but black women especially. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we're the last adopters for TV. I mean, all these morning shows are all packed. The Tamron Hall show, Wendy Williams, all these daytime shows are powered by The View, which is why The View is people go so get so angry about The View because it is a show that is powered by a black woman audience. And so some of the content there feels so offensive to black women that it's like, well, this is a show black women are keeping on the air. You know, we yeah. own it for money. It's so interesting. <laughs> Enjoy though, it, though, is- is that the programming though, they, they, the powers that be with all of these networks, right? Still want to cater to the Bible Belt, like middle America, yep. not the Bible, but middle America, right? The Midwest, that's who they want to cater to. Uh, yep. Those soccer moms and people like that. Yet the content works because even though mostly black women and black people are watching these daytime shows, white people are informed by them in that, you know, oh, they want to just get a taste of that culture. You know, they're right. all walking around saying, how you doing? And all, you know, right. all the, I don't do it that well, but you know, do it. They all, they all want to be a part of that. They want to be into what's popular and yeah. what's hip and what's cool. And that is usually black people, right? Yeah. They want to, you know, but they don't want to, they don't really, really want to get a note to know us. They don't want to go to school with us. They don't want their kids to go to school with us. They don't want to live near us but they do want to turn on their television or go to a sports event or go to a movie and be entertained by us and, oh, yeah. you know, and, and appropriate sure. our culture so that yeah. they can feel cool and, yeah. and all of and that. They want, to dap, they want to dap us up when they see us. Nothing right. irks me more <laughs> than a white man giving a black man dap, like, you yeah. know, doing that kind of they thing. Part of well, or they want to steal our TikTok dances to make themselves famous for TikTok dances. Listen, that bothered me so much. And I love more than anything that side-by-side of the white woman that um, Jimmy Fallon invited on his show to show him the latest TikTok dances all created, well, not all of them, but mostly created by black dancers and black TikTok stars. And she was on there and the side-by-side of some of the dances and these black girls doing them, like one of the creators doing them. And it was just like, it reminded me of, what was this this show with, uh, the movie with Gabrielle um, Union, Bring It? Oh, (laughs) Yeah, set it off. Or no, the, uh, no not, not set, set it off. off. Yeah, I know you're talking about. You're talking about the the cheerleading movie. It was like bring it on, bring it on, like, bring it on, bring it on, bring it on. No, yeah. you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of if you go back into the 1950s, there was a white singing group who sang, "Don't you remember you told me you love me, baby?" Oh, the Carpenters. Yeah, and so they sang it, and nobody even cared about that song until, until Luther. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> <laughs> until he came along and was like, "Don't you remember you told Girl. me, you me baby?" Until oh. he really sang that song, and then people were like. Is that a remake? It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's a whole different song, but we do it. Girl, let me tell you. Uh, he did a, he did a, um, yeah, he did a couple of the Carpenter songs. And I mean, just made, like, did a house. I didn't know it was a remake. Home. I mean, I had to be educated yeah. remake. It's the same thing like Dolly Parton, who gives mad homage to the late Whitney Houston, she who does. remade that song completely. Look, Whitney Houston redid the national anthem. Now everyone does the runs that Whitney does. It's like standard. She actually they tried the to. They, they all tried to. Do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to me, but I, I don't like that song anyway. I want it should be a oh, beautiful period. I, that song me. is racist. Oh, they should not. We oh. need to let go of all those 
little traditions. Um, That will be when we know we have finally achieved sort of like racial parody when we get rid of that song as a national anthem. America the Beautiful is a perfectly wonderful song. Actually, Lift Every Voice would be a, uh, a, a, you know, a fabulous national anthem. Mm -mm. It's inspiring. I don't want them singing our song. I don't want that. All right, well, then we'll make it America the Beautiful. It could be America the Beautiful, but not lift every voice and sing. No. Um, Let's talk about, there's so much to talk about um, before our friend Torrey joins us in five minutes. And we have to stay on time because you have to go, ma'am. Yes. You got five minutes to talk about the death of Prince Philip and how people um, are trying to make it seem like it was the stress of the interview that Meghan Markle uh, and Prince Harry did with Oprah that was the final nail in the coffin. Not they, Fox News, the Comfy Couch Morning Show decided that they wanted to blame, they wanted to blame Meghan Markle and Harry. So Meghan and Harry, they're saying that a 99 year old man, let's just be clear. Prince Philip is 99.9. Okay, he was on the brink of 100 years old. And the fact that a hospitalized, sick for weeks and weeks, and he probably was sick for months. So an ill 99 year old dies, and oh, it's the color lady fault, huh? Oh, the color lady killed him, didn't she, with an interview. They uh, they find, they will find anything. These people, first of all, y'all not supposed to be royals, so what are you doing? We're in America because we're supposed to be anti-royal. And now all of a sudden, all Thank y'all you. wanna blame this poor little black girl who's an American, you're supposed to be on her side against the British royalty, and you tr- trashing her because she gave an interview about her truth? You know what, screw y'all. Okay, he was 99. You know what Fox News what Fox News Fox News did further was that they criticized the Associated Press for writing in their obit, like in the third paragraph, criticizing Prince Philip for Prince uh, Philip for um, racist comments that he's made through it. Like, you know what I mean? And they were like, how rude Fox News was saying about AP mentioning this truth. And they're like, he's he served in the military and he served, you know, um, you know, by the queen all these years. And that's all they want to talk about. Like it was like to me, you I, I don't think that you can talk about someone who is that well known and not talk about the totality of their life. If there was something if they have the stain of racism, particularly. Yeah. Uh, sexism, racism, the comments yeah. that he made. You know what I mean? And they, but they were just like, how dare the Associated Press? The Associated Press. A news organization. How, how dare they mention it? And <laughs> when I tell you, it was a sentence. It was a sentence. Um, because the BBC for years has um, excused that behavior, not in totality, but just right. over the years, they they were criticized for, you know, he's he has such colorful language. You know, he says some <laughs> things that are offensive to some people. And you know what I mean? Oh, he's just, you know, like he makes these jokes kinds of things. You know, when he's being, when the comments were definitely determined to be racist and sexist. Oh, so, he's, just a, he's just a dashing old man with right. ways. Just give him a break. It's all right. No, oh, I'm not doing that. But it's like when people die, when people, especially when they're of a certain age, um, like when Regis Philbin died, um, and he seemed, you know, very lovely. I interviewed him a couple of times, but when he died, I really had to go and research. I didn't want to just post RIP, right? I wanted to right. see in his history if there was something there. Um, like when was it Sean Connery who died recently? 
and people were posting about him. And I think there yeah. was something sexist in his past and people were upset that people were praising him, but that they were not adding that part of the story into right. it. So I was, I'm like, mm-mm. I mean, it Whenever. depends on if, to me, it depends on if it's a major part of their biography, right? I mean, like the yeah. Dr. Seuss thing, I found very funny that people were getting upset because the company that actually owned- But the company Dr. made the correction. So I don't even see how that was, to well, me, the company was saying we were wrong. You don't want it, right. Well, they were saying, right. that, you know, he had this history and I now, I've ordered this book, which is really great. And it's about all these cartoonists who created uh, anti-war and war-related cartoons during World War II. And he was one of them. And some of his were brilliant. I mean, Dr. Seuss was a, was a sort of brilliant animator and interesting yeah. guy, brilliant cartoonist, but he had his moments when he did like a lot of like racist shit. And so the company went through this catalog and said, you know what? We don't feel in this context of 2021, we don't feel comfortable publishing these books because they paint him in a light that we think is unfortunate. We just want to pull the books. And the right one, how dare you cancel that? It's like his own company was like, we don't want it out there. You know, to me, for them to make that correction gives you all the more uh, permission to talk about it. The the, the room to, you know, you know, to paint that picture. I mean, Walt Disney. I mean, well, you know, Disney. come and they on. Were doing these cartoons in like the 40s and 50s, a very racist era during which there were lynchings and shit. So it's like, right. yeah, a lot of white people in there. I mean, look, Lincoln was racist. Don't even get me started on Abraham Lincoln's racist ass. Come on. He so wanted to send gonna... all us back to Africa. He really? was racist. And you say that people go, oh, Abraham Lincoln. Well, how dare you? But it's in his letters. His letters say no black man would ever be equal to any white man. And he doesn't mean that when he says he doesn't think slavery is more. He just think slavery is immoral, but technically he should put it, we should put him on a boat and send him back to Africa. Like that's what he wrote in his letters in his own hand. I don't know what you want from me. That's what he wrote. So right, that's well, it's 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 like when people want to say, and I'm glad that you know that there's more of a conversation about whether or not America is the greatest country in the world, right? When you look at our history, the history of this company country, starting with what what was done to the Native Americans, that this yeah. land was stolen, um, and the racism that has existed, you know, the slavery and all of that, you know, and people want to make it seem like this is just the, you know, like, you know, we're just, you know, you should, I'm proud to be Perfect. an American. No. You know what I mean? That you should salute the flag and stand for the national anthem. And none of that matters. You know what right. I mean? But it does matter. You have to look at the totality of the history totally. of this country, particularly what they don't teach our kids Correct. in school before you can go around. I mean, yes, you can choose to stand, you know, and put your hand over your heart. But as long as you know the entire story of this country and the history of, of this country and that we do not erase that. Yeah. Um, and it makes you a better patriot, I think, if you actually yes. know history, because you see where it's going, right? Like, you know, yes. these founding fathers, they had an idea that was really only meant for them. They were like, we're going to make a kingdom for ourselves, yeah. where we are king. And these women are not, these blacks are not, these natives are not us. We, the white men, we are king. And they created a kingdom for themselves. Now, the rest of everybody saw what they created and said, I want some of that freedom. And we've had people, the, the, what you could broadly call conservatives, who've been fighting ever since. They know you can't have that freedom. You can't, that freedom was for us. But right. as poor people caught on to it, enslaved people, in native people, you brought in all these brown people. You wanted them to do pick all the pick all the food. You wanted them to build build you know build to, the stuff. You wanted the this Chinese. Country. You're like Chinese people. Come in here, build the railroads. Oh, but you want for free. But it's like no, you want to bring all these people here so they can build you shit. And then they're like, well, we'd like some of that freedom too. You're talking about. What do you think is going to happen? They've built a country that's multiracial, and then are shocked that it's multiracial. Shocked. Yeah, it's like, well, y'all built it. Y'all kept bringing people here. Nobody uh-huh. was there except for the, the the indigenous people who you stomped on to take the country and the 
Mexicans who were already in California, Colorado, why they were already there. You right. took their country from them, and now you're like, what are all these Mexicans doing here? Yeah. You took their country. It's they amazing. were already there. Girl, and now you're like, how come are all these brown people here? You created that. <laughs> the caucasity, one of my favorite words now. <laughs> the caucasity. Oh my God. Well, Can we talk about DMX for a second? Uh, um, well, I know Teray wants to talk peace. about that too, but yeah, my, yeah. yeah. Peace. God bless him. But I mean, I just want to, I do want Torrey to, to really dig into um, his legacy of yeah. his body of work and his troubled life. But you know what his what bothered me? You know, it was it was trending twice, right? Yeah. That he had died because people started putting it out there before the family right. had officially said anything. And mind you, he was still on life support. Um, and his manager came out last night to say that, you know, I get tired of people you know, it, it's it's like, listen, let me just give you some advice and you can chime in here if you want to join in. I, this is the rule I follow before I will comment on any famous person's death. Yeah. I wait until it is in a legitimate new, it is posted yes. or it, in a legitimate news organizations, you know, on their social media or on their website. And I look for three sources. Right, because yeah. even one person, even one outlet can get it wrong. But I also look to see if the family has yeah. said anything. Right. right, because in this TMZ culture, everybody's trying to get it first. Yeah. And I was just so offended by, you know, what this family must be going through when he is on life support and they're trying to, you know, come Pray to, him to recover. whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I agree with you because we've had, you know, as a doing our show, we've had bios like set and ready to push the button. And at the last minute have been like, oh, this person's not dead yet. And so I've had enough of those near misses um, where you have that bio ready to push the button and you yeah. hold back for a good reason because you don't want to say that somebody is dead who isn't dead. It happens on Twitter all the time. All and the you time. don't want to do that. And I agree with you. Like we, you know, our dear friend Midwin Charles, who we love Midwin very much. She was a great yeah. uh, contributor, a great legal contributor. I knew she had passed that morning. But I, I certainly wasn't going to say anything or no. tweet anything or post anything until the family put out that Instagram. That's when I went public and, and said exactly. Something. But it was like I, I really, you know, because the family really wants her her privacy to be kept. And what bothers me now is that now people are using her tweets to try to run conspiracy theories. And it's right. like the family has not told you anything about her cause of death. They've said absolutely nothing about that. They've only said that she passed. That's all you need to know for now and stop speculating about what killed this woman publicly. I mean, privately, we all are having conversations because it's so shocking. A 47 year old woman dies suddenly. Everyone's going to talk. And internally, you know, you and I and all of our friends are all talking about it because there's a black woman our age where we're like, what the hell is going Who on? Seem to be very healthy, right? Fit, as healthy far as we knew. Yeah. So but but I think what we have to do publicly is different. You can have these conversations internally because we're all so sad about it. Exactly. But publicly, you shouldn't be tweeting speculation about her or DMX or anyone else. Unless, like you said, until the family confirms it, it ain't true. Even yeah. I'm, I, I'll take it one further. I don't believe it if the AP says it, if the family ain't said it. Now, if, if the family has a, if yeah. AP has a statement from the family in there, we then you can go ahead and do it. But you're right. Unless yeah. the family tells you, yeah. don't believe anything until you hear it from the family. Right. I agree. I yeah. totally agree because it's just, Good advice. I don't know who that is close to that person, particularly a family member, maybe on social media. Right. And they're seeing this and it, it, may was, not know, it right. was premature and just, yeah. oh, it was just, it wasn't a good thing. So our 
friend Torres here. There he there is. He well, like is. hair triplets. Okay, first Ooh. of all, I love the fact that Torres has grown his hair back so that we can all look alike, which I think is. <laughs> ah, we do look alike. I love like his triplets. Look. I'm loving this. hair cousins. Yeah, we've all just, you know, spent our entire lives trying to have your hair, Therese. And now we've achieved that. So I feel like I've made it. And he probably has not even, this is like, he probably literally wakes up and just goes, and he just looks that gorgeous, (laughs) like the hair, the everything. I hate to say, Jackie, you want to know what I do? My my lengthy morning routine? (laughs) Tell me. do like this, and I'm ready to go. Do you know how many black women are like, ah, because of what we have to go through with our hair? Oh my I'm, God. I might throw in a little Carol's daughter, but like. No, we don't want to hear about this no more. Let's change subjects. Now we all hate Like a little. Like we a were little, friends like, a like five minutes ago. <laughs> well, wait, will you keep this look beyond all, everything that's going beyond the pandemic? Do you, yeah, this, do you is, think? this is me. I'm not, I mean, like, this is not that different it. than what I've ever done. I haven't seen my barber, my hair salon lady, who's been cutting my hair for like 20 years. I haven't seen her in over a year. Yeah. Wow. Which is kind of like, it's kind of pathetic. Like this is only as far as it gets in a year. <laughs> like this is the maximum of that it will grow to, right? right. Like, like it's not, cause some people are, I could be like, you know, I think if 20 years ago or 10 years ago, I'd have dreads by now, right? <laughs> like I just have like a big Afro. Yeah. Um, I have seen Joy. I have not seen young Jackie Reed in forever. How are you? I know I am, you know, considering all this going on in the world, Torre, I'm doing okay. Good. It's been a it's been a journey, man. This year has been something else. It really I has know. been. I just um, got I was just writing a tweet. I just got the vaccine yesterday. Yes. And I was like, there's no symptoms. And then I finally found a symptom. It makes me want to like tickle my kids until they go nuts. And I go, <laughs> and they say, chill. And I'm like, it's the vaccine. And it's like, nothing to do Wait, with Wait, which vaccine. one did you get? Are you a Pfizer or a Moderna or a Johnson and Johnson? I'm a one shot done J and J team. You're a team J and J. You're the first Johnson and Johnson person I know. Now, yeah. did you have a choice, Torrey? How did you decide which no, one I didn't you were going to take? A, no, I did not have a choice. I did not shop around. We found a little <laughs> pharmacy, and there's a pathetic story about the pharmacy. We found a little pharmacy right around the corner from our house. My wife found it. The pharmacy is, like, smaller than my bedroom, um, <laughs> and they had J&J. And we, it wasn't like, hmm, which vaccine? Do you, do you have the Russian vaccine? <laughs> about that one. And, like, what about AstraZeneca with the You Chinese? don't want that. Like, they were like, we just got the J&J. You want it? Yeah. But, like, so this is, like, classic ghetto. It's, like, right next to the project. It's like, right next to the project. Classic ghetto pharmacy, right? And like on one side, there's five people, my my wife and I and three white people get it, waiting in line getting the vaccine. And in the other half of the pharmacy, there's five black people and they're all in line for lottery tickets. I'm like, what? Don't you guys want to get? And I don't know. I didn't ask them, so I don't know. Maybe they're already vaccinated. But I, I bet if I asked them, they either four out of five are not vaccinated, or five out of five are not. Oh vaccinated. God! But you know what? You I know, think we're that like, we're no people. We're are reluctant. Like, I don't. We're reluctant. But that's why I like the J and J being there, so you don't have to come back twice. We're like Tuskegee. I'm not getting that vaccine. No. I'm like, you know, in Tuskegee, they withheld. That's right. 
the vaccine. So it's yeah. not really equivalent, uh, but okay. And this, this was, that was just a small study, just black people. This is like, we're gonna give this vaccine to the whole world. Mm, Y'all made it so fast. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so the next time you know, your house is on fire and the fire department shows up in three minutes, you be like, mm, y'all came too fast. I, I don't know. So I don't trust y'all. My house is going to be a fire. They're going to like, oh my God. I've had two conversations this week with um, women, well-educated women, successful women who are not, who will not take the vaccine ever. They, until it's something ever. that, I, I'm sure once it becomes a situation where they have to travel or something right. like that. Right, but, but, but they say they are doing immune boosting regimens and things they like that. They drink a ginger ale. They think they, they are not, they are not, Robitus. like I'm telling you. Robitus. Mm -hmm. Robitus they are not taking it. Mm -hmm. No, not, my godmother was like that. Who? My godmother is a, and my godmother was is an educator, you know, bright yeah. woman. For a while, she was like, no, but the way that we find these, I was badgering her. Her grandchildren were badgering her. And I finally said, Anzi, you want to go to Jamaica? Oh, yes, but I'll go to Jamaica, mom. I want to go and, you know, see my host and everything. I was like, you know, you can't get on a plane. What? You can't get on a plane. You're not going to be able to go nowhere. We can't go. And also, I'm not going to come by your house. Not going to come see you. No parties. Nobody's going to come. You're not going to come for me party. Let me throw a party for my birthday. Not coming. Nope. Not enough to get a vaccine. I sure. love your Jamaican yeah, I mean, accent. I'll go get it, mine. <laughs> oh, where do you hear I her? I love do? your Jamaican accent. I can't do it at all. <laughs> well, see, no, that convinced her. Wanted to be around her family and sure. wanted to go to Jamaica. Made her, made her do it. She did it. Yeah, I was reluctant at first not to take it, but just to take it early. I felt like, let me wait and see how how this, you know, what's going to happen. You know what I mean? I just wanted more information. But then... You know, like I said, I saw somebody on Joanne's show that Jane, just, you Jane know, and, and, that, and that just convinced me. But she was Brooke like, listen, if you get sick from the virus, we can cure you. But if you, if, if, if from the vaccine, she said, yeah. if you get sick from the vaccine, we can cure you. But if you die from the virus, you just we did. can't help you. you I was did. like, you know what? Let me go get my That's shot. right. So I'm in between. I, I'm get. I got Moderna, so I got my first shot. So we all have, we now represent uh, the three of us. We may look alike hair wise, but vaccine wise, we are one Pfizer, one Moderna, and one Johnson and Johnson, and we're all very much alive. So very going to vaccine, very much alive, very much alive. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, let's talk about. On the other hand, uh, God bless his soul. We were just talking about DMX uh, today, yeah. and I know you are a longtime uh, hip hop journalist and, and music journalist, and I know that you know DMX, and and I'm sure have a lot to say. So your thoughts on his passing at age fifty? I mean, you know, I think more about the life than the passing. Um, you know, incredible life. You know, he was a great communicator. You really felt the pain in his soul. And I think some recording artists play at pain and play up like, oh, I'm so tortured. And then they put it in their music and, and it's captivating. But this is a person who truly was in a lot of pain. Um, and a lot of the, uh, just the horrible parts of both the ghetto the institutionalized system for people who are troubled um, and a family that did not understand him were all sort of coalescing around. Um, he talked to me about being a kid with a big chip on his shoulder, going to school like first grade, lots of anger, mad at other kids who like had nice clothes, had their dads, like these sorts of things. Um, told me about getting into a huge 
fight at school. Like the teacher had like touched him or something. And he's like flipping over desks and like attacking people. They had to clear out the room and the principal and the gym teacher came in and like pinned him down first grade. And he's getting in trouble at school and in the street. And he ends up going to like various institutions for troubled boys from age seven to 14. And he carried with him, like when I spoke to him as an adult, a very present anger at his mother for sending him off into these systems, right? And he's like, I was not a bad kid, but she thought that I was. And he he had not, when I spoke to him, he had not um, uh, healed the rupture with his mom. They were still- Didn't she abuse him? Isn't, is it true that she physically abused him? He did not talk to me about that. He did not say that. There was definitely a sort of emotional abuse in that she sent him to these institutions um, and that led to him, so that was seven to 14, he's in and out of these boys' homes. And unsurprisingly, the years, when he comes home, the teenage years, he's in the streets doing crazy stuff. He talked about escaping from the boys' home once. So, I mean, like, you know, like clearly really hated that, was mistreated there, becomes a sort of street criminal as a teenager. And his whole thing, was not to rob people with guns. He robbed tough guys with his reputation because he had a reputation for knocking you out with his fists to where he was able to just walk up to like tough guys in the street, not like old ladies, but like tough guys in the street and be like, give me your shit or you know, I will knock you out. And people be like, all right, you know, here, let's just, let's, <laughs> let's solve this the easy way. Let's not do this the hard way. Um, so, you know, clearly a lot of anger, um, self-loathing, resentment, pain, sitting in his in his system, right? And like sort of, you know, lashing out at everyone around him. He is rapping and the day before he was gonna go meet with Lior Cohen, who was running Def Jam Records, um, he, he was mistaken either there was mistaken identity or they just said it was mistaken identity but he got stomped out by some guys in the street you know probably he beat up the wrong guy right and they were like we ain't gonna have that come back with the whole crew and handle you so when he goes to meet leor his jaw is wired shut because they had broken his jaw and he rapped for him like that and leor could see the passion and the, the you know the energy and signed him and he was this irrepressible force. DMX released two albums in one year at a time when most people were struggling to come up with enough material for one album every two years, right? And I remember when the second album was coming out in the fall, I was like, wait, you're doing another album? You just did an album six months ago. And like, that was always thought to be like, you're stepping on the audience, like the audience is still buying the previous album. Because for a lot of people, you know, poning up $15 back in the day when people yeah. bought albums, poning up 15 or $18 for an album ate up the disposable cash of the lot of the audience. So, you know, people, you know, labels would be like, don't put out two albums too close together. But he was like, no, no, we're in. He was just relentless. Um, and both those albums were successful. You know, 98, he was on fire. But when I hung out with him, he was listening to Stephanie Mills and R&B love songs. So like, you know, away from the studio and everything and the stage, 
it was like singing along to like love songs and like R&B and he's like just you know just trying to be like joyful and I'll tell you another thing too because this is this is kind of funny and this is partly about me but partly about him so we spent a couple of days together in Los Angeles when he was on he's on tour he's staying in this swanky hotel he goes to the mall and you know like girls are coming up to him he gets back to the truck um you know entourage whatever i'm trailing behind writing everything down and there's a note on the truck like some girl had figured out that's his truck and written her number on the truck call him like left it on the windshield call me and he's like how did she even know this was mine like whatever so we get back to the hotel from like 9 p.m to like 11 p.m or something he had this epic conversation with his baby mother, right? Who he'd been with for like 20 years and like, you know, I love you so much, super sweet to her. And then they get into a fight and then they get out of the fight and they're back to loving each other. And it's just like this, just this epic roller coaster emotional conversation. So finally they hang up, it's like one in the morning, you know, I'm like, all right, you know, I'll, I'll see you tomorrow, whatever. I leave, I come back at like 10 a.m. Like, what are we doing today? Knock on the door. And there's a girl in a robe wow. <laughs> from the mall. The lady who left her number. <laughs> Probably her, although there were several girls who let them let you know let him know they were interested at the mall. Wow. But like late night, the phone got hot, you know, hot oh live bling. God. It can that's only that, be one thing. He's about that life. That's but that's sorry, celebrity. Let, and, let me, and the let thing me ask you about that, this though, you know, because not, not shocking that a big rap star is like, you know, calling women on the road. Um, but he was so brazen that he did it right in front of me. He made no effort to shield me from it. He didn't know right. that I wouldn't write about it. Right, right. And, and like, I thought, oh, I, it is assumed that I will not write about this. So I won't say that that happened because I don't want to get him in trouble at home. But then he did the same thing two months later when the reporter from Spin was hanging out with him. And I was like, oh, I you- could have written about that. It was fine. Like, Yeah. What do you, Tori, what do you think kept him from uh, beating the the drug habit? Right, that he had. I mean, because he, so many people. It it seemed, it seems like so many people around him wanted to help him. Um, and I know, you know, that for him, you talked about how early in his life, you know, he he had so much anger, and um, so many hurdles, uh, so much tragedy in his life. And a lot of times, for a lot of people, I don't know this for him personally. You know, drug is a, you know, is medicine for that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, is 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 medicine for the mental. Uh, pain that so many of us deal with. And I just wonder like what kept him from just getting over that hurdle It not suggesting by any means necessary that it is easy uh, no, I mean, to beat it, drugs it, it, when there's an addiction. Addicts cannot be helped until they want to be helped. They cannot be, they cannot get out of that until they recognize I have an addiction problem and I really, I really want to get out of it. You can't do it for them, you can't help yeah. them. Um, and for a lot of people who have drug or alcohol addiction, they are trying to quiet the the voices, the trauma, the memory of the pain, the stress, the anxiety. I think he was traumatized by, you know, living in the hood, by the particular circumstances that he had gone through in the street, in the institutional systems, um, what was going on with his mother, right? Because like I said, he had not 
release the pain. He was not speaking to his mother at the time when I did the story, right? Like typically in these sort of uh, epic Rolling Stone cover stories, I would speak to your mom or your dad, right? And yeah. she was like, no, uh-uh, I'm not talking to you. I don't, I'm not talking about him. And he was like, I don't want you to talk to her. Like, fuck her, you know, like he was really carrying a lot of that anger. And, you know, I mean, I, now we get into sort of just the nature of addiction that people who have stuff in their past that they want to quiet, self-loathing, pain, pain, stress, trauma, anxiety, um, this becomes a way of of doing that drugs or alcohol comes a, becomes a way of like just stuffing those voices in the corner and not having to listen to them for a moment. Um, and you know, you, you start down that road and then the, the addiction becomes its own thing. It becomes its own voice in your head saying, I want more, let's, do drugs because it's sunny, because it's rainy, because it's morning, because it's night. And the voice that wants drugs is relentless and will come up with, will try every possible argument for why you should do it. So it becomes very, very difficult to deal with the voice. And like, if you have a lot of money and you don't have somebody who's on your shoulder being like, hey, you gotta be at work at 9 a.m. You yeah. know, these sorts of things like, it can be super easy to be like, yeah, why not? I mean, like, does this not go along with the caricature of a famous rapper? That, rock, like, yeah. you know, that rock and roll life. Well, let me ask you about some others, because you've interviewed so many of these people. We won't even go into R. Kelly. You don't interview him. <laughs> but I mean, you know, you think about the Kanye West, you think about Ice Cube, you know, people who go off the rails and weirdly go off the rails. I mean, Ice Cube was a weird situation last year where suddenly mm. he came up out of nowhere from being fuck the police to being like, I love Trump or, or whatever. I want to meet with Trump or Trump is whatever, gonna give me platinum. It's like, dude, you have platinum. You have, you know, obviously Kanye, who's obviously got issues now getting a divorce. And, you yeah. know, all, all, there is something about, there is not, I mean, there are a lot of uh, rap stars who are perfectly stable. All right, Salt, Peppa, they're fine. Like there are a lot of them that are fine, but there are a lot who who sort of have been derailed or at least in, in publicly derailed recently. What do, what do you make of the sort of, this life in public is, is obviously very hard, right? And so I is mean, that part of it? I think that the celebrity nature of it um, microscopes who you are. Jay-Z has always had a tremendous amount of self-control. And because he talked to me about because his father left him, he shut down, right? So what we read as cool, man, that guy's so cool. He was actually emotionally shut down so that nothing would ever hurt him. So he was actually cold, right? But always extremely analytical, right? So in fame and opportunity, he has grown that, right? And become a billionaire and, you know, I mean, like he almost- He's also kind of Basquiat hair-wise. Uh, he's doing a Basquiat <laughs> thing, which I read as like the black billionaire version of like wearing a hoodie to a meeting. Like Zuckerberg's like, I don't need to care about my, my presentation. I'm a billionaire, you need me here. And Jay-Z's like, I'll do whatever I want. Now, like, you know, Jay almost uh, you know, swerved off the road symbolically in terms of what happened with Beyonce and that could have gone differently and we would be looking at him a little bit differently, but they were able to work that out. Um, you know, Kanye, 
comes from being a single parent, single child household. And his mother spoiled him. And she told me she worshiped the ground that he walked on. Now, there's something beautiful in that, in, in nurturing the black male ego, right? And not to just locate it for black males, but I think black men in particular get beat down by the society in a, in a way that is unique to them, right? Um, and his mother was really smart and she was very much in terms of like wanting to lift him up. So she made him feel like you can do anything. And this powers the rise of Kanye, this notion of like, I can do anything. Um, you know, Kanye's path from producer to rap star was not normal. And truth be told, Jay-Z was like, him? What? No, it was Dame Dash who was like, yes, him, he could do it. Um, you know, so the the entitlement, the spoiledness of Kanye, you know, the sense that I can do anything. It was great when he was trying to get from being a producer to a rap star. But when you're a rap star and you think, you know, like I, I can do, I mean, you know, in some ways it is, it is still beautiful that he's like, you know, I could be like Walt Disney. And like, if anybody could create like a Kanye world, right? That like people would want to go to like an amusement park that would be like national and like would outlive him. And like, I bet he could probably think of something and pull that off. He could have done it before he became kind, uh, Trump's little buddy. I think if you're going to be Trump's Gilligan, you ain't, that ain't going to work for you anymore. All, you know, all of a sudden, no, wrong skipper. I don't think that that connection with Trump curved his uh, creativity at all. But I wonder, Torre, how much of his the the state of his mental health factors into um, a lot of the problems that he has faced, including, you know, buddying up with Trump and running for president and all that kind of stuff being manipulated to me in a, in a lot of ways by the Look, Republican Con Party. Kanye is a person who's in a lot of pain, I think partly because um, there's some mental health issues, right? Like he has alluded to this, Kim has alluded to this, um, you know, so there's there's something going on. He's clearly high functioning and yet there's, there's something that's sort of like holding him back. Um, and there's also tremendous lingering trauma around the death of his mother, right? Which he blames himself for, right? His mother got plastic surgery um, you know, which he's like, this would have never happened if I had not become this rich rapper. And they were like super close. So, you know, I mean, and you can see this massive change in his life when he goes from, he was about to marry uh, a, a girl who, you know, l let's say we would, you know, like somebody very, somebody who you would feel comfortable bringing home to mom, right? Right. And then he started immediately dating, um, what's her name, who went with off with Wiz Khalifa? Amber, uh, is it? No, Amber Rose. Amber Rose, Amber. Amber Rose yeah. who is, let's say, not necessarily somebody you'd bring home to Bob, right? And so, depends like, on the mom. Clearly, <laughs> depends on the mom. So, clearly, you know, his life shifts. Um, I, I, you know, I mean, like, Chuck D is an extremely mature, yep. uh, you know, uh, 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 adult citizen of the world. Meanwhile, um, Flavor Flav. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, Flavor Flav. I mean, like, look, I think prior to last year, we would have held up Ice Cube as an example of 
a mature yes. rap star, right? right? Like who like moved from being like young and angry and nihilistic to like family man and like making these family movies and still like, you know, the young NWA Ice Cube would look at like the family movie Ice Cube and be like, okay, I, you know, I can respect that dude, right? It's not like, now, Friday. Yeah. I think, I think with Trump, he got the okie doke in terms of like, you know, this guy says he'll listen to us. Um, let's give, give him a chance because he's going to listen to us. And the lie that both sides are the same. Yeah. Right. And like that pernicious belief that both sides are the same allows someone like him to go, well, the Democrats are just as bad. So I'm going to talk to Trump without, you know, like his his lack of understanding of the political system and how he is now being used by the right to say, look, see, we're not racist. Ice Cube is down with us. How can you like, oh my God, dude. No, and then the thing about my Ice Cube that I found hilarious was that uh, he then got all mad because the root did, I'm sorry, the Grio, uh, Jason Johnson, who's now at the Grio, who used to be at the root, he started this thing when he was at, at, at the root that would be like basically 10, you know, sort of bums, right? In the black community, they would, they would do this like list and it's like a listicle and they put him on this list and they write it all together. It's like a group of them writing. So Ellie Mastal wrote the thing about Ice Cube. He got so angry. He was like, that has to come down. So the the, the Grio took it down, but it was still up on Yahoo News because they have a deal with Yahoo News. So it's like, you really are mad about an article. Why did they take it down? I don't even know. I know, right? Don't take it down. They take don't it. run you. They don't run you. If I would see, I'm not the Grio no more. That's why. <laughs> I wouldn't take it down. I mean, like, you know, a lot of people bend to that sort of pressure. You referenced the R. Kelly interview. Um, that aired once on BET. <laughs> because after it aired, he called, you know, his people called and was like, you better not air that again. And they were like, or what? <laughs> <laughs> we'll sue you? Like, over what? And right. like, But, you know, they never ran it again. I mean, you know, some of them, at least Lil Wayne got a pardon for him. Did he get, no, he didn't get a pardon. Uh, Lil Wayne didn't get nothing. He went and did the okie doke picture with Trump and he didn't even Hold get, on. I don't, did he get pardoned? I don't think he did. I think little, I think Lil Wayne is good. Did he get a pardon? Oh, I think Hold he did on. get a pardon. He did right. get a pardon. He, he got did. a pardon. Okay, so at least yeah, he, he got did. something out of it. Yeah. Yeah, he, yeah, 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 yeah. Lil did. Wayne and Kodak Black got pardoned. Got pardons, yeah. Yeah, Lil Wayne did. Uh, Tori, we got to ask you about uh, Jimmy Fallon's um, moment that he had with this <laughs> Addison Ray girl and having her on. I think people know the story, but Jimmy Fallon invited on this uh, white TikTok star uh, to show him the most popular TikTok dances. And the majority of those dances were created by black creators, black dancers and made famous by them. Um, and boy, he took some heat on that. But it took him about a week to correct it. Like what took so long? What did you think about that? Whole hey, before you answer that question, I just want to note that Jimmy Fallon is a lovely, lovely guy. <laughs> he really is a sweetheart. He's it so does, listen, there are a lot of nice, listen, <laughs> I, listen, I get it. Cause you're at the and same company. Wrong. You're at yeah. the same company. I get it. No, but there, I are like a lot of, there are a lot of nice people you know what I mean? Who who do things that feed into systemic racism? Right. That, you know that, I mean? And he exactly. should know better. He could be a nice person, but he and you, by the he way, should not have made that mistake. And he needs to do better. And period. by the way, can we just say this is an example of why you need to have diverse staff? 
Right. Because I He's guarantee- He's surrounded by the roots. That the roots yeah, aren't on the staff that are doing- Yeah. They're, they're not in the room not when job. they're making decisions on what you're going to say, who nope. they're going to have on the show, these sorts nope. of things. I mean, like, look, to what you said, Jackie, I I only brought this issue up on Twitter because I've been trying to educate some of my folks in terms of, you don't have to be mean to be racist. You don't have right. to be Archie Bunker to right. be racist. And look, Jimmy Fallon is not racist, right? Addison Ray is not racist. Um, she's a child. Yeah. And I don't think even trying to assess whether a person is racist is a valuable waste uh, use of our time because that then becomes a referendum on their entire life. And if they ever went to any march or did anything nice for any black person, they're like, see, I'm not racist. I once dated a black girl or, you know, I fetishized her, but I dated a black girl. I have a black friend, but I don't want to be in that conversation at all. I want to talk about, is this what you did a racist act? And that even gets, gets confused with like microaggressions, right? Like, right. is this taking advantage of white privilege, right? Is this perpetuating white supremacy? Okay, so now we get down to like, you know, a tiny but important area of the conversation. And like, yes, this is absolutely taking advantage of white privilege that Jimmy Fallon, because he gets, you know, all the late night hosts are black, are white, are white, yep. right? He thinks, let's call the big famous TikToker to do the dances. She's like, my phone rang and it was Jimmy Fallon. And I, of course I said yes and jumped on a plane and went to New York. Now, did they say, let's leave out the black people who created these dances? No, but they did erase them from the conversation and like, you know, is does Addison Ray thinking negative thoughts about black people? No. Is she trying to oppress black people? No. Is Jimmy Fallon? No, he has, he hires the roots. He's like, I'm not racist. But these are acts that take full advantage of white privilege and perpetuate white supremacy and do so with a smile. I think there's still this lingering feeling of like racism looks like Archie Bunker or Donald Trump, right? Or Stephen Miller, right? Um, and it doesn't at all, white, almost all, or I should really say, all white people benefit from white privilege all the time. It doesn't mean you're rich. It doesn't mean you you don't work hard. You can be poor and benefit from white privilege. You can be very hardworking and benefit from white privilege. It really means that your skin doesn't hold you back yeah. from anything, right? And a lot of times too, we gotta look at like, you know, cause people be like, well, I never got any help from anybody. Well, bullshit, but also <laughs> let's look at like, your grandparents and like what your grandparents were able to accomplish. Oh, they got an FHA loan. Well, that's funny because our grandparents were systemically denied those and that allowed them to create some money so that when you got to be, you know, 21, they were able to give you a little bit of money because they own their home, right? Oh, well, there you go. Now you're benefiting from white privilege and things that we, so it's just, they, they are never held back by their race and we, constantly are even as 
And, you know, and, and the notion of like, well, you know, Joy so successful. She hosts a primetime show on a big time network. And like, we're so proud of her. And like, where's the racism in Joy Reid's life? Like, are, are you kidding? Like, you think because she's had this success that means that she doesn't deal with white privilege and ra- like in racism in her life? Like even at a high level. Yeah, come with know, me as I try to get a cab in New York. Yeah, well, well, well but just, just, even, just even within your profession like yeah. you know i mean just we could go through just different things about how you got to the seven o'clock slot where how other people got to other time slots you know and had less qualifications and these sorts of things um so you know th- th- that that's the only i don't really care about addison ray on jimmy fallon but i just wanted to to just to underline to my folks you can be uh, taking advantage of white privilege. And like, I think that's where you can make a difference. They and participating in the marches is great and all, but when you're like, uh, you know, I was aware of my white privilege in the situation and I said, hey, Jimmy, can I bring the two black girls who created this dance with me and they'll dance behind me, um, you know, so that they can get some shine too? Like, so it's not just, you know, the white girl who stole their dances, Dan. Like, yes, it's a great idea. Okay, so now you are using, you know, your platform to help lift up other people. And if you had let them dance in front of you, they'd probably, it would look better um, in the final analysis. My God, when you saw- Lord Jesus. Oh, the side by side. Addison next to the, I mean, like, it was embarrassing. It was like, Addison is not, you're not, that's not dancing. You're just- that like she was her any around. It didn't do her any favors. In the end, you know, it didn't do her any favors because inevitably people were going to compare her to the original people who did the dances. That didn't help her at all. So you're yeah. right. I just feel like after everything that's happened, right? And I don't know if uh, how involved in Black Lives Matter rallies and marches and things like that. That I, I don't know if Jimmy Fallon was a part of that in any kind of way. Um, but it just, it, it just, you know, it just hits hard after the year that we've been through with racism in this country and all the lessons that you hope are learned. And then something like that happens, which was such an easy fix, right? It was, it was, it was, or, or something that could have easily been avoided had he, like Joanne said, had more people of color around him who are in a position to not just be around him, but to have an impact on what happens on that show, right? Um, Because you can have black people in the room, but if they're not empowered empowered. or feel empowered to say anything, then what difference does it make? And by the way, the late night world is still very white and very male. The writers, the writing room, everybody involved at at a level where they can actually make decisions are still overwhelmingly white and overwhelmingly white and male. I mean, if you talk to, you know, people who've been involved in, you know, the Comedy Central kind of world of trying to build these shows yeah. You know, they'll even talk about the fact that and, and Comedy Central's generally been a bit more progressive racially in terms of but I've been on some of those shows. You go and there's like, you know, there's one or two black people there. It's it's unfortunately that world is still very, very white. So it doesn't surprise me that there was no one in the room who could say, you know, Jimmy, yeah, maybe you might want to cast that differently, but you need somebody in the room. The roots ain't in that room, you know. It's like you could have seen the faces of the <laughs> The, the members of the roots when that happened. <laughs> they were probably like, what in the Can we, before we jump off here, uh, talk a little bit about, we talked a little bit about it before you got on uh, Teray, but apparently Meghan Markle has the ability to kill somebody weeks later with an interview. Uh, her <laughs> extreme black girl powers 
enable her to literally kill somebody in advance just by talking about racism. So he has Prince Philip's blood on her hands. And he was and again, I will say, as I said earlier, the man is not was ninety nine. Point nine. And in the hospital. Point nine. Point, Point nine. nine. God you know, was I, already calling. I, <laughs> he just hadn't picked up the phone yet. I love Meghan Markle. Um, I, I love this whole story. Obviously, I don't love that Phil, Prince Philip died. I don't root for him to die, but like, I don't really care. But like, the thing that stands out for me is once again, Oprah shows that she is the best interviewer oh, in America, Amen. without a doubt. Amen. She is conversational, she's emotional, she's intelligent. Were you silent or were you silenced? <laughs> Come on. That. Who is having that conversation? I mean, like, yes. she's just yes. brilliant at the way that she keeps it flowing. And like, and even like at the end, she had asked, she'd asked Harry like toward the middle about William and Harry kind of deferred. And she came back like later, like, let's talk about William again. And I'm yelling like the queen of the circle back. Yes. Let's yes. go back to William again. Yes. And like, she oh. and she gives you that look like you're going to answer my question as well, because yeah. you didn't answer it before. I think I a, lot of, that I a lot of people <laughs> in our profession start talking in terms of asking a question and they don't really know where they're going. So they kind of uh -huh. talk, 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 and then they land on a question and then they repeat their own question. <laughs> Oprah is very surgical in that yes. she knows where she wants to go and she asks a brief question and then she shuts up. And I'm, I'm like, you know, you're brilliant. And she understands that it's not about question, question, question. She asks a question and then it's like three or four or five follow-ups, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And then we move on to something else. Now I'm in this area of your memory bank and we're gonna follow, 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 follow. Okay, now we're gonna float on to the next thing. And it's all, and there's no like, you know, bullshit questions like what kind of a tree would you be like, <laughs> you know, or like, you know, what's that, that French, you know, what is your favorite curse word? Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but you know what, to me with Oprah, she doesn't do what I think a lot of, of journalists uh, feel like sometimes when, when it comes to the tough questions, particularly if it's someone that you like or you respect, but you want to ask a tough, we feel like we have to couch it. You know, before you say, were you silence or silence? Well, you've been with the royal family and so ba 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 and this 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 so some people might say yeah. you were silenced other people might say you were silent you know there's like a way but oprah can just directly yeah ask those questions yeah it's like a, is it, maybe she has like an auntie power because she's sort of in the auntie that's super aunt, that's a super soul where, sunday auntie power. no because that's what happened when you go to like your auntie's house and she's like so why did y'all get divorced let's go into that and they don't even <laughs> right. they just be like why don't you have any children let's just ask <laughs> they don't they don't care she, she, she asks questions she, like she's drunk she's at a on cookout your side in a way that makes you feel like empathized with and I right. can like come out and tell you, Auntie, look, this is the reason why I don't have any children. And I swear to you, Oprah's level of attention on you yes. is so great and focused. You will never feel as seen as right. you do when you are being interviewed by Oprah, which makes you feel like, 
oh my God, she wants to hear my jokes, my ideas, my stories. She's really yeah. listening to me. Let me tell her more. And, and like, you don't realize you've been interrogated till you get home. You're like, what did I say to the Oprah Winfrey? What did I tell her? You, you, you also treat her differently as in some people, if they were asked that, might not answer a question. But when it's Oprah, you almost feel like it would be rude yes. not to answer any question she asked me, Amen. right? <laughs> okay, so who would y'all want to see Oprah interview next? I know a lot of people have said Britney Spears. They want to see the Oprah Britney Spears oh, interview. I'm so, I'm so over this, <laughs> this, this concern about this wealthy woman who's detached from total control of her finances. She's being held captive. She's we being held captive by her daddy. Agitating for Britney Spears. She's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I actually wouldn't mind seeing uh, Oprah do the interview. I mean, I, she, I haven't seen her interview Kamala Harris yet. I haven't seen her do that because Kamala Harris people also take a lot of gentle, you're sort of gentle with her because she is the first black woman vice president. I think you have to be, people feel like they have to be sort of deferential. I think would be yeah. interesting to talk to Kamala her. Ain't, Kamala ain't giving up no real skinny though. Yeah, she, she probably you know, that politician, She in that politician bubble. Yeah. She know how to deflect everything you say. You know, maybe, thought, maybe she should go for Obama. Get all the dirt out of him. I, I don't have time to read an 800 page book. But they're friends. She's not going to go there. She's not going to go there. And there's no real dirt. I don't know, Joy. Who do I really want to see Oprah sit down? I mean, I would not have said Meghan and Harry. I did not expect right. to, to be on the edge of my seat for two hours with Meghan. It was riveting. Harry. Yeah. I was like, I'm not watching. I don't care. And Twitter started to lighten up. I'm like, all right, let me see. And two hours later, it's like, tell me more. Oh, I forgot the All-Star Game was on. I was watching the All-Star Game. I was like, let me go check this out for a minute. And I did not go back. I don't know who won. I was like, I but LeBron's fine. His team's going to win. And I, I got to go. It's NBC. Can I oh, call you later? Brilliant. Yeah, go, yeah. go. Talk to NBC. Okay, bye, Teray. Bye, Teray. Okay, bye. Love you guys. Okay, bye. Love you. Bye. You know who I would love to see her interview right now? And I'm sitting here, it's like there's, I, I don't know what the right answer is for me. I'd have to really think about it, but Dionne Warwick. Oh! Right? Oh, yes! Dionne Warwick. Right answer, baby, yes. That would be fascinating, because we actually don't, you know who else would be interesting? Is Mary Wilson still alive? Because you know, the Supreme. She the died. Supreme, oh, did she die? Damn. She bad. died. Too bad. But yeah, no, that would be great. Yeah, Dionne Warwick, and she's back. Like she's like the Twitter goddess now. She all of a sudden has come back and she's feisty. And I did, I told you, I met her once. We interviewed <laughs> her at our brownstone um, for this Harry Belafonte documentary that we were working on at the time. And she was a hot, wonderful mess. Like she was spicy and she wouldn't take her shades off. And she was like, I'm not taking my shades off. And she was wearing a jeans jacket that had uh, Mickey Mouse's all over the front of it. And I'm and, and, and these shades that she would not take off and she was just totally a diva. And when she left, she turned to me and she said, do you wanna see what's under my jacket? And I said, absolutely, Miss Dionne Warwick. I would love to see it. She opened it up and it was pure mink. And she let me pet it. <laughs> it was mink all through. So the jacket looked like it was just a cheesy goofball jacket, but inside baby, she had a full mink coat on. I was like, I worship the ground you walk on, Dion. Uh, we interviewed her. I interviewed her on the television show that I do about two years ago. 
And there was something going on that day in Manhattan where traffic, you know, I don't know if it was a parade, you know how it is. Sometimes it's just crazy traffic right. and it was crazy traffic. And so it took her a long time to get there. And um, when she finally got there, in fact, she missed, I think I wanna say she missed the live segment and we did it after. Um, but by the time she got there, she came running in there. She had a little flats on. She wasn't, she didn't have a time to change her clothes yeah. or overdo makeup. I mean, she had a little bit of makeup on, but she came, she showed up. She's such a professional yes, she um, is. and she was just lovely. But I feel like she's at this point in her life where she doesn't care. She don't, she's gonna don't say care. what she wants to say. Yep. And just so I feel like her sitting down with Oprah would just be like, she would just ask her anything, right? Yeah. Yeah. And she would answer. And she's um, got stories because she's been she's friends with all of these, you know, other divas from the business. Patty LaBelle, yes. uh, Gladys what Knight, when they did their with... their verses, she showed up and they all went to dinner. I was like, this is so cool. She's got stories. She is she, oh, has she knows the Bacharachs. I mean, she has just like she knows them all. Oh my God, you just gave me an inspiration. That's the interview. We need to make that. We need to manifest that. All right. Well, let I I, I actually am at my time too because I'm getting Texas about this trial. I need to well, go. Let's get you out of here, man. What are you going to do for you? So I already drank up my, my wine down, drink my free. Coca. I know. I'm, I'm going to go pour me some. I, I wasn't able to pour any before this. I'm wrangling my dog and doing so many things here. You know, this weekend, it's going to be warmer in yeah. our area. So I'm just going to really, I've been trying to just get outside. I think I'm going to start working out outside. Yeah. Um, maybe go for a run or a nice long walk. I live near the water. I think I'm just going to take in some nature. And of course, I'll be blogging as I always am. <laughs> always, always, always. I love that. Well, so I tried, I got on the bike last weekend as I promised oh, I would on the, and child, when I tell you, I am not bike ready. <laughs> I got a, like a little bit up to a hill, couldn't like stand up on the bike and get up the hill. I was like, oh, oh, my body's not ready. And then I was sore for like 48 full hours just from a very brief bike ride in my neighborhood. Oh my God. I suffered. I Oh, I, I paid for that. Oh, yes, baby. I'm like, oh, I'm not. I'm not in shape. <laughs> Bikes are hard to ride when you're not in shape. So I'm going to try again. Uh, if it doesn't rain, it's raining today, but hopefully it'll be nice weather and I'll um, do the same thing. And also, oh, by the way, I am uh, I am getting a hybrid vehicle. That's the other thing I'm working on this oh. weekend because my lease is up on my truck and I decided I'm going to go for a hybrid to save the earth. Well, so thank you. Yes. Next Next stop, uh, veganism. Next stop, veganism to say, right, to stop all the cow farts. Well, you know, I don't, I don't eat beef, but yes, to stop all the cow farting. The only ones I can't really let go is the little fishes because I feel like Jesus ate them. No, that, those are fables. No, Jesus ate those, them. Are, those are all fables in the Bible. We don't in the know. Bible. No, we don't. Do, mm -mm. A lot of things. He ate the loaves and the fishes. What did he want the people to do with the loaves and the fishes? You think what Jonah was in the belly of a whale? I got a bridge in. <laughs> I just know Jesus gave the people loaves and fishes. That's all I know. And okay. he came and told them not to hug, but to eat. Okay, okay, okay. But listen, make sure your interior is vegan and not leather. Just ask for that in your hybrid car because they do do that okay. where you can get, you know, just another material other than animal leather. Just okay. do that one little favor for me. You won't even know the difference. I'll I'll do my best to sis. Do it. Just do it. <laughs> I will definitely try. But yes, ma'am. So uh well Jackie Reed, uh, this has been always as always, it's been lots of fun. Yes. And I, I guess it's back to trial. Are we gonna take a week off? I think we're gonna take a week off. We're gonna take two weeks two off. Two weeks off. Give two you weeks off. time 
to, to we're going to take a break and give Joanne time to cover this trial. You yes. know, we have to force her to, you know, go on hiatus. But once again, <laughs> just two weeks, two weeks. And then we'll, we will be back. But be sure to follow us on social media at Read This, Read That. And we'll keep posting and keep you up to date, up to date. Yes. With, uh, you know, stories and what's going on with us. And we should in the course of two weeks at some point, maybe we'll pick a weeknight or a weekend night and do like a little uh, IG live. So we yes. can talk to people them, keep everybody yes. up to date. And also our uh, all our episodes are available. You can download them. You can re-listen to the ones that you find fun. Go yes. back and listen to all our fun stories again. So we'll give you a chance to refresh, refresh, refresh all of your read this, read that. And then in two weeks, we will be back. Uh, hopefully this trial will be done, girl, because you know my, my, my prayer for our country is that the verdict does not come in around Memorial Day because that is the anniversary, the one year anniversary of George Floyd's murder. And if it's a an acquittal, which it could be, it's I, not I'm not be. even ready for that. I, I don't know with the evidence that's been presented thus far. I just don't even understand. So I, I will tell you, I'm generally very pessimistic when it comes to police officers being tried because they're almost always acquitted. I agree. I this agree. is the first time that I feel like, oh, he's going down. But I then always remember Walter Scott. Walter Scott was an open and shut case on. on camera, shot him in the back, planted a taser, South Carolina, easy. The, ju- the, 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 the prosecutor was actually a right wing conservative who right. brought the case and was confident that she was going to get a conviction. He, there was a hung jury. And this was an open and shut case. The only reason the guy who killed Walter Scott, the former cop who killed Walter Scott, the same thing, fired, video showed murder. Easy, yeah. shot him in the back. Yeah. Um, but there were, all you need is one juror. All you need is one juror to take the uh, to take Chauvin's side. So I think the results of this, the way it's going, because it's going pretty bad for Chauvin's defense, but they're out is a hung jury. So I think it, it, the, the two outcomes that seem the most likely to me are a hung jury, or he's convicted of at least third degree, at least based on what I'm seeing. I haven't seen the defense case yet, but it ain't going well for the defense right now. I can tell you that. It is not, man. If they but you never, never count crazy on it. Yeah. Child, that's gonna, I mean, all hell is going All to- hell would break loose. Yeah. And the thing is, is that there are already white supremacist groups that are gathering around this case and making it, um, making it a thing to inspire people to get involved in the white supremacist movement. Oh, of course, and they're of preparing course. to. They're recruiting. Know, they are they're recruiting. recruiting off of it. Yeah, people are recruiting off of it, and so <laughs> yeah, whatever happens, y'all just brace yourselves. Brace yourselves. I know. I know. All right, girl, go. All right. Go. Thank you very much, everybody. See you guys on the next week. <laughs> that join us on social media. Bye. Bye. <laughs>